GMGM, everyone, BGBG, people of Web3, that is basically the way how we do it here in Web3 space in Europe. I'm extremely happy to have everyone on weekly episode of Origins XYZ, the Web3 show about the origins of the biggest OGs in the space with, you know, this European touch. We're live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Paris time, and as always, I'm your host, Nikki. I want to remind everyone that the space is recorded for everyone who will join us later to listen to it. Nevertheless, make sure that you share the space with your friends and family, because we are live. And as I already said, I'm extremely happy to have not just an artist, not just a developer and a visionary in factory space, but also a very close and good friend of mine, Bandalo coming together with SewerDAO family and NFT ROM family. Guys, GMGM once again to everyone who is listening to us here today. Jim, I think Andrea can uh, can make a comment from the NFT Rome page. Um, yeah, he he can just maybe say hello. Say hi, hello. everyone. Jim, 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 Jim. Happy that you also joined us, Luca. I guess we can start the conversation with you. I really like the fact that you highlighted that we have a very dynamic conversation here today before we dive deeper into the agenda and we talk about web3 ecosystem in italy we talk about utopian or dystopian uh, view for DAOs, ai and tech in web3 i want to talk about you the man who created co-created nft rom the man who created Web3 community in Italy, in Rome, as it is right now, the man who created Sewer Nation. You have many names, you have many positions. Why don't we talk about Luca Bandolo as you see yourself in this Web3 space? Who are you, my man? All right, okay. Um, so first, first of all, there's... Uh there's to be said that uh, it would have been it wouldn't it would have not been possible in any way shape or form to do anything that um, our team has um, created so far if it wasn't for a lot of key figures that helped with uh, technical analysis budgeting and other operations um, I, I I'm often very overvalued I'm very much just like the very hyped member of the team uh, where I'm always trying to get people involved and get people uh, desiring to to do things and to and to believe that uh, imagination can come true, and uh, then it's all thanks to the team that slowly has been growing and uh, it has been really a slow and constant growth of of amazing people. One of them I see them here today. It's Kaito, and um, yeah, like we 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 really owe it a lot to to everybody who has been participating, Vincenzo Di Vincenzo. Andrea Globe, Francesco Vincenti, Raffaele Rullo, Tupamaros, a lot of very nice Italian guys. Um, about me, I, I have to say that it's very confusing also to me what type of role I have. Many times I make a lot of posts where I'm, myself I'm confused about what am I, uh, if I'm an artist, if I'm a curator, if I'm a producer, if I'm a community manager. Um, I don't know as well. I just, I just do a series of things that... Um, 
act like tests and I like to test and uh, try things out a lot. I, tr I like to get myself involved, even though I have to admit that for the last months I've done a last sprint this summer and these days, maybe it's a vacation, I don't know, but I'm realizing I'm very, very tired, but uh, very happy to keep pushing since we are supported by so many amazing people. And um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of things since uh, two years from, from, from now. I've been, uh, I've been producing a very low budget events in Rome uh, uh, in order to gather a community that started to move from all over Italy to come to our events. We had a very different approach from uh, other market oriented uh, activities. So my focus since the beginning was trying to challenge a lot of the common ideas of how a community is managed or how uh, an art uh, an art community can can be coordinated and um, coordinated. And uh, what we realized is that there's a lot of problems with uh, art communities because especially those that were trying to brand themselves as crypto art communities or like crypto art projects in Italy, they were very detached from, and I've said this multiple times and in many conversations, uh, there's people who agree and disagree with me. And at this point, I, I don't want to fight uh, on this topic anymore. And I just say what I, what I think. And then I, in a moderate way, I'm happy to discuss it. Uh, but um, yeah, there were a lot of projects that, in my opinion, did not have an understanding or the opportunity maybe to, to meet with certain, certain people or to hear certain stories or to join certain movements by, by traveling, which of course, it's, um, it's a privilege. And, uh, and so they were proposing projects uh, on, the, on the lines and themes of crypto art, but in general, all the crypto philosophy. Uh, but I, it did not seem that it was related to it. And so sort of became uh, uh, a very, a very angerful at, at first, the first one year and a half uh, activation where me and my team were really trying to give a voice uh, in Italy to this international movement, which we realized was important for the values that what it was proposing. And, and because itself, it was uh, breaking the standard and it was trying to create a position and uh, create new narratives on how communities can be managed, which is like, I, I believe all of us can agree it's one of the best advantage points of crypto in general. And, um, and yeah, it seems that in, uh, in this small growth that we had, because we had no ads, we had no major partners at the beginning, we did everything fully funded by ourselves, independent, with no big sponsors. So at first it was very hard. We were doing just like 200, maximum 300 people per event, and we were putting a lot of effort into what we were doing. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, we, we sort of like mixed uh, all of us. The fact that none of us was a specific role, all of us covered different roles. And, um, and yeah, and everybody was sort of like a, a jack of all trades, I would say. And then out of all the trades that everybody was showcasing, they had uh, specializations uh, and coordination within the team started to grow. And uh, this is what fascinates us. We really want to better understand how to facilitate and uh, better coordinate uh, independent group of people and talents and professionals that want to work inside an ecosystem yet not be owned by the ecosystem but to find a solution a new working solution where a giant community pool uh, can uh, encourage uh, the independent talents to create subgroups and to create uh, sub organizations and it's very hard because then here we enter into the theme of control which is something that i'm very fascinated by recently understanding in an organization how control works and how much you can give away control and have benefits from it and how much uh, if you're fearful of management uh, you can impose control and that can damage your company 
Um, so yeah, uh, you asked me about myself, but for me, it's very hard to detach myself from what we're doing recently because I really dedicated 100% fully uh, my time and my resources to it. So it's very hard for me to speak about myself without having to speak about it. Loka, Loka is Suardal, and Suardal is no. Luka. This is bad branding. Like... Actually, we're we're yeah. trying to make people understand that I am not the Dao. <laughs> that uh, of course it, it defeats the point if I am the Dao. You know, it's uh, it's it's bad uh, branding to say this, or even just like if this is the message, it means that we're not doing a great. Just job. like you, you didn't allow me to end my sentence. Just like everyone of the sewer DAO is a part of this community and this part of this community represents every of this persona individually. So I do believe it's a very good question that you already started our conversation with. To which degree can you give control to a community, to this shared decentralized mechanism, how to make sure that it is safe for everyone to join, how to make sure that it's efficient with more people joining. And we're definitely going to come back to this question later in our conversation today. But I want to ask you the following question. Luca, who joined Web3 space, joined this space out of curiosity or because you actually had this vision, idea, and you believe that with the blockchain technology, you can make it happen. Something that you couldn't make happen before, all this Web3 onboarding and Web3 adoption, and now you can make it happen, make it efficient, make it sustainable. What was the reason for you to join the Web3 space? And what was this first moment when you realized that, hey, I want to go full-time. I want to devote myself to this space. I want to go fully into Web3 ecosystem. Um, so there have been a lot of um, specific moments where um, we, we had opportunities to see the potential of, of this technology, but mainly it was through conversations that we had with uh, people that, that whose lives have really been changed by, by this technology, uh, both artists and developers alike. And um, yeah, for me at, at the beginning, uh, I was very hyped. So I have to say that during the the bull market, the last the last bull market, I was definitely attracted into the space uh, as many of us have been, with uh, a lot of promises. A lot of promises that convert people into the space are like promises of easy, achievable wealth. Some other promises are like um, a dreamland of uh, this concept of disintermediation and decentralization, sort of sort of like this um, big middle finger to centralized uh, corporations that are trying to own our digital existence. And um, it's very alluring. So there's both an ethical and economical standpoint that tracks uh, all of us, especially in dur during the bear market into this area. But me personally, I come from a background uh, where I was working in New York. I lived in New York for four years when I was doing uh, charity work. It was uh, this, this uh, theater job that I had as a, as a theater director. And we were working with uh, low-income uh, families and poor neighborhoods like the projects. And what we were doing was a concept called uh, Budget Zero Festivals. So we, were, we would organize festivals, community festivals for like four days. And the whole objective was doing this with no money to start. And there are, there are several uh, techniques and uh, ways that you can produce a Budget Zero Festival. And it's not that hard to learn, actually. There's just a lot of stress to manage, but... 
and there's a lot of PR to, to be done. But um, objectively, for me, it was very nice. It was a wonderful opportunity. And uh, I always thought on uh, when we were organizing these events, how to empower local communities, because the more we empower them, the more uh, they, sh- they showed independence. And, uh, and then we would, uh, once we are collaborating with a community that is independent, that is autonomous, uh, it's easier to organize something together. Else you just have to provide a service, uh, trying to help a community. But technically you are doing the service, you're trying to activate the community. And for us, that was not creating real impact or change. So we always had to learn that our festivals had the main goal to activating the community and making it in some way or form autonomous or independent. And so when blockchain came out, when NFTs came out, when DAOs came out, I was super interested. I was like, well, I wish I knew about this two years ago. I'm sure it would have been hard to convert a lot of these communities to these technologies and probably technology was not, is not even now yet ready to be used for these instances. But the concepts that it brings, the philosophy and the, the conversations and the ideas that can sprout from these conversations, this is all valuable to me. And uh, even though the technology may or may not be there at this point, or even if the accessibility to the technology might be there or not, it's still an interesting conversation to have that inspires us to test new things. And all of us with Sewer, uh, this is what we're doing every day. We're testing and uh, we're trying to understand how to develop something that it's uh, very unique and tailored to the observations that we're having while observing several case studies of trying to organize a community and trying to see what is the perfect balance between having control and giving away control. I love the way how you answer this question, especially taking into account the fact that I personally believe that these two elements can and should coexist. There is no innovative progress and no success unless you have this curiosity inside yourself to test new things, to risk. Because the Web3 space, the way how it's right now, as we're talking about DAOs, as we're talking about the real value of communities, NFT technology, or whatsoever, it's at the very early stage of its mass adoption and mass usage. So for us right now to try these things, to risk, to innovate is the only way that in 10 years from now, it will have an efficient and sustainable use case for everyone, not just for a limited group of people. So I appreciate you taking this to this completely new narrative and how the space should be approached. Talking about this space being approached, I see that a lot of friends are joining us. I see Button, who is also in the audience, Giangia, my man. Luca, you are an international Web3 representative. Nevertheless, you are coming from Italy. Your roots are coming back to Rome. Your roots, you also have some roots in Milan. So Italy is your place. And you've known Web3 ecosystem in Italy years before all of us learned about it. So I assume, like from me being in Italy and seeing, like, seeing all these people building, seeing all these digital and Web3 brands innovating out there, I assume that Web3 space in Italy is France about two years ago. 
So it's extremely early. It's still extremely small in the world uh, in the sense of comparing to the whole world, but it's growing and it's extremely strong and it's extremely promising. I want to hear your take on what is the Web3 ecosystem in Italy right now as we know it and what has been some of the biggest progress in the recent couple of years that you have witnessed or perhaps even participated in? Okay, so I'm not uh, usually the best person to ask this because um, I'm very strict and um, I have a very narrow vision of what has been happening in Italy, some people would say, because I'm very biased on uh, what was my understanding of this culture and this movement inspired from what I saw abroad. It's very interesting, for example, a counter argument that can easily be done to me is uh, the fact that um, the technology was available in Italy and that uh, a series of people started to use the technology in visions and means that were not aligned with the international movement, but this shouldn't disqualify it as um, in any way or form just like um, interesting or uh, something, something of value. So I had to do a lot of work personally to understand the value a lot of, of a lot of other projects that um, were born in Italy, natively in Italy, disconnected from what was happening in the international scene, which I was following very closely. But um, after a good time of reflection and meeting these projects and starting to learn more and more, what I can say is that in Italy we had the two very big different uh, approaches to the topic of crypto. So there were the artists, so the, the people who have been doing digital art or traditional art until now, that had this incredible opportunity with the NFT boom to have this uh, new sort of like branding idea of becoming, becoming a crypto artist, which initially became something very sought after. So everybody was uh, trying to get for themselves this label as a crypto artist. But more than the artists, I believe, maybe the curators and the managers of the artists. So personally, I usually say that during the bull market of NFTs, there was this big problem of uh, uh, ticketing uh, people as crypto artists or, or like appointing them as speakers to, to speak about the technology uh, when, uh, when the information that these people had or the understanding of the movement was very little to none. So that, that was a, a period where me and my community, we were really suffering in silence because we, we did not have access to any spotlight, even though we had very talented people inside our group. And in general, what we were doing, we were managing communities. So it was not only about the people in our group, it was also about the people that we saw in other groups. And we always saw constantly in Italy the same people being called to all the different festivals and this sort of like specific group of artists uh, grew and they were very closely related. I, I waved the flag a couple of times saying, yeah, I feel like there's some form of gatekeeping happening here or just in general, I sense that uh, what is defined as crypto art in Italy is becoming a very exclusive and uh, very lux luxury oriented experience. And I'm not sure that this is like what people are fighting for. In, in the rest of the world or what people are deeming as valuable in the rest of the world. Nonetheless, it is valuable to you guys or it is valuable to our Italian ecosystem. I'm not aligned with this. I'm not a fan of this, but in general, just like I'm not going to discredit you guys. It's, a, it's an experimentation. It's a new means of use of the technology that you guys are exploring with. So props and kudos to you for trying and for applying yourself to this. Uh, but then on the other side in, 
what is more crypto related, what was happening is that there were uh, a series of uh, people that really were early in Italy in the team of crypto and NFTs, and they were able to organize a series of uh, um, nicely curated, I would say, exhibitions. The first one was like in Dart Milano, uh, and the Dart was actually a very nice exhibition. I remember, at least for me, I was very excited because I, I went all the way from Rome to Milano. It was like one of the first times that I was traveling <laughs> for, for NFTs. And I went to see this exhibition, and I remember it was like a giant exhibition with like countless monitors. To this day, now after seeing non fungible conference, NFT Paris, even NFT Rome, one could say, ah, composition could have been better. But at the time, like really props to them for getting the, the, the gallery that they collaborated with and the museum to host the exhibition where a lot of names were present. If I ever learned about Robness, the first time I learned about Robness was thanks to the Dart. Um, and so that was, was very nice. And um, yeah, so the people that were related to, to Dart then sort of like uh, dispersed, they stopped collaborating together and uh, they sort of like divided into different groups doing different projects. Um, and uh, they all went more oriented towards the foreign, so towards outside of Italy, um, which I understand me too now that we are getting a little bit of traction. We're very happy to open our, our horizons to Europe even abroad um, but the theme was that I didn't believe there was a real community approach in that it was more of a, oh let's grab the title of the fact that we brought uh, NFTs in a museum or that we did the first event so it really felt like a, a title grab but in the period of the bull run I believe everybody who was doing something was trying to go for the title grab of I've been the first one to do this I've been the first one to do that which again it makes sense I understand us too, us too been which makes that. sense which yeah. makes sense especially during the hype season but then during the bear market which exactly we can see ourselves in right now you can see whether it's all about being the first and doing nothing or it's about being second or the tenth but actually delivering for this space and making sure that this space stays relevant for other people who don't understand Web3, who don't understand NFT. So sometimes being the first one doesn't guarantee you anything. What guarantees is your true desire to build with the space, to build with people and to stick to it, whether it's bull market, bear market, which is exactly what you guys at Tour Nation are doing. So please continue. Yeah, so the, our approach has, has been, uh, fr from the beginning, uh, at least trying to humble down this, uh, this form of art. At least because most of the artists that I, that I uh, really respect and I really like are all very humble. And uh, either they come from humble origins or they're like really, really big creatives and uh, really, really like big game changers. But again, none of them uh, would ever approach a conversation from a a different uh, type of uh, behavior depending on who they're talking to or just like because they do deals with fashion brands they have any understanding of being uh, this is this is like something in general like that I believe all of you also when Farouk did the, the thing with I believe was Louis Vuitton or whatever it was he received a lot of backslash you know so well, every time I, I find myself criticizing something or someone uh, that is doing something with luxury or exclusivity or like uh, marketing or hype, I'm always like, oh, I, sh I should shut up. You know, everybody's doing their thing. So, yeah, you're right, Niki. Let's speak about our thing. So with our thing, 
uh, we're a very homey community. Uh, we share a lot of spaces that we have in all of Italy in order to be able to facilitate travel. One of our main objectives is to have people moving as much as possible to be able to, if we have an event in Milano, come from Sicily, which is an island, come from uh, uh, the south of Italy, from Naples, all the way to Milano. And uh, even though we're doing this on a very small scale, it's very helpful. And especially when it comes to very valuable uh, members, like, unfortunately, he's not here today, but Vincenzo De Vincenzo is an incredible young and valuable member. Uh, anytime we get a chance to host him or to cover costs for his travel, it's, uh, it's always amazing uh, to be able to do this and to, to, to spend time with people. We, we also very often oft, uh, host people from abroad, from a, a foreign country. So we have a series of people from our team that have guest rooms and we always send out invites. By the way, I see that Mari is here in the listeners. Mari, if you ever want to come to Rome for a couple of days, just text me. I'm very happy to host you. And um, uh, Nikki, of course, Nikki has been living in my house in Milan at this point. So he, he keeps joking about the fact that one day he will just steal the keys and I'm never going to be able to get back in the house. But we, <laughs> I, I hope he, he's joking about that. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, to recap very shortly what we've been doing, we, um, we wanted to, we always wanted to push what we can do from one event to the other one. So the first event that we did, uh, now looking back at it, was some sort of like very cliche event inside a club. And uh, what we did was uh, uh, essentially just like this event, this event with, uh, sorry, there's someone trying to speak with me. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. I, someone, someone was trying to, to speak with me. I, I didn't understand he was not speaking to me. No, um, he, he wasn't speaking to you. Just yeah, want no. people to speak to you. All good, all good. Look. So so what I was saying is that, uh, um, yeah, we did this first event in this club and um, it, we had a lot of monitors. We were doing an exhibition. At the time, we really didn't know what we were doing. So mm. we just tried and um, a lot of people showed up and it was very nice. A lot of people that at the time we didn't even know were like famous in the NFT space were there. And so... Uh, for us, it was like very nice. We were just sort of like getting into this. And, uh, and then from there, we started uh, uh, producing more and more events with the funds that we raised through the sale of an NFT collection, and uh, which are the passports, which are the NFTs that uh, we are trying to uh, merge inside of our governance system for our DAO. And, um, and yeah, we got to a point at a certain, uh, a certain moment where me and my co-founder, Francesco Vincenti, we, we kept thinking, oh, what type of events would we like to do and blah, blah, blah. And we kept, we kept throwing this idea of a funeral, and we wanted to do a funeral. We said, oh, no, we have to do a funeral. We have to do something funeral-themed. The Halloween is coming. And um, I remember this, I believe, Naples, the event that we did in Naples, NFTs are dead, was the turning point. We decided to do NFTs are dead, which was this uh, <laughs> massive event inside the, uh, the, the catacombs, the underground city of Naples. And uh, I personally went for one month in Naples to do public relations and to do location scouting. And uh, we were given the, the privilege to do our exhibition inside the Bourbon Tunnels, which is a very exclusive location. It's, uh, it's very difficult to get access to it. I personally made friendship with the owner. And uh, after one month of working with him and trying to, to convince him, I convinced him. And so we did this full immersive video projection inside one of the most wonderful uh, archaeological sites of Italy. And the documentation of the video that came out of it, also with a, a high-profile figure like Robness coming as a special guest. Uh, for the first time in Italy, having really an event of that level where the exhibition is out of this world, the venue is out of this world, you have incredible special guests. And it was end of 2022, right? 
Yes, yes. That, that, that's really what launched us out there. And every time we were showing that video, that video was our main selling point. We were really being able to, to at that point, to really speak with anybody and say, listen, like we love this culture. And this is something that we have been doing that a lot of other players simply have not. We said we want to bring a bridge. We want to be the bridge between the foreign international community and Italy, because everyone who's doing activations in Italy might be crypto related or NFT related. First of all, they have the huge barrier of the English. Most of them don't speak English. As you can see, a lot of people from my team don't speak English, which is, guys, it's a real barrier. Like, a lot of events in Italy are not open to the international community because people just don't want to speak English. That's problem number one. In Italy, we have a very big culture of dubbed movies. So movies that are not subtitled, but really dubbed. So we have the Italian voice. So you have to understand that here we're very, very lazy. Like, we have an entire culture about the fact that our language might be beautiful, it really comes before learning the other one in any way or form, where we won't even look at the original movies. We have to look at a version of the movie that has been dubbed. So that said, yes, we have a lot of events, actually, more than you can realize. Maybe if you're an Italian, you, you would be aware. There's constantly events, new events, new communities coming up. I'm, for, I'm the first surprise that when I stopped doing events in Rome for like uh, something like uh, four months after I came back, two, three new communities were in Rome that we didn't know about. And we were incredibly surprised. And this is like Rome, it's the capital. But the same things happens in Milano, the same thing happens in Naples and in the islands. And I'm sure like also Bologna now, there's a lot of events. So you're right, Nikki. like maybe we're a little bit far back, but things keep growing, especially during this bear market where everything is more clean. Almost like all the big names um, uh, that were mainly pushed by marketing have no interest in doing marketing. So there's a little bit of silence. But in the silence, we get this wonderful opportunity for us, as stewards, like a community hunter, like we literally seek communities to try to collaborate with, to, to have this clear vision of who, like us, is really busting their ass, trying to use this technology and leverage their community to produce a message, to produce an ecosystem that uh, merges with our values, with our values of trying to seek uh, something that is closely related to the promise of decentralization, this intermediation. And in general, to me, was really closely affiliated to the world of work on how we're going to work in the future, how the nature of work will change. Uh, and so to me, that, that was something that I believe and I still believe it's, uh, it's growing with interest. The problem is, and it's always going to be, is that all these communities, in order to be sustainable, they have to find ways to create profit. And uh, when you have to start understanding how to profit your community, you have this weird moment where your community has to transition into a company. And there again, we enter back into the same topic that we were talking about, which is control. Who has control? How much control do they have? And how does this shape the community? And so the problem still falls back to that because I'm not sure even between my community or other communities that we know that have already been built or that are being built right now, when we're going to get to that point of testing, are we really sustainable? Can we really open as a company? What choices will be done there and what will be sacrificed? And if those choices that they're going to do and that we're going to do are going to be sustainable. And this year, this is the challenge that my community is facing. Because for the first time after two years of work, we are in a phase of a lot of clients that are requiring uh, consultancies and events produced from us. Most of the events that we're producing this year are for clients, which we're very happy about because they're giving us creative freedom. So we're getting paid to produce digital art events and to produce innovation consultancy events. So... It's very cool. Like, I'm very happy. The thing that I'm focusing mostly myself to, and this is why I'm not doing event management for the most part in the DAO, is because I'm really trying to focus on, okay, so now that we go into the legal side of things, now that we go into a system of profit, 
how do we do this thing that we've been promising that we will crack from the beginning, which was how do we understand how to easily track and quantify the activations of the people inside of the community? And what type of rule sets do we develop? There's the team that the rule sets have to be dynamic. They cannot, to, they cannot be static. So you have to find and understand ways in which the rule set can change that organizes the group. And also you have to understand that it's going to be hard to have stable figures because the ecosystem that we've been nurturing is an ecosystem of independent professionists. And so we're not looking to create an ecosystem of people that are employed and therefore tied to us through a contract, but people that are tied to us because as an independent professional, they co-invest inside of our organization, their time and their resources, therefore as a different form of commitment than a contract. Absolutely appreciate the way how you're approaching this space. You are not in a rush. You are here to build something long-term, something efficient. And when you make a mistake, you are among the first one to admit it. You are here to make adjustments. You are here to make sure that whatever you are building is actually built for people, for a real use case, not just for fun. And talking about building for the first time, this year, specifically this April, we had, April or May, I don't even remember uh, now, we had the very first edition of NFT ROM. And when I'm saying we, I'm talking about SewerDAO, Sewer Nation, who organized it. I'm talking about Vertical Crypto Art with Mikol, who came to organize this amazing art experience together with Edward Zipko uh, from Super Chief Gallery, together with uh, Museum of uh, Crypto, with Leonora Brizzi, with Power Data. I was hosting the event. I was there. I saw how much of potential Rome and the whole Web3 ecosystem in Italy has because people from all around Italy were coming to Rome for this four-day event, event full of art activations, event full of valuable and knowledgeable panels, event full of parties and events all around the city. And I just spin this recap for people who missed it because I know that... Uh, First edition of NFT Rome wasn't promoted for many months as a, a common sense for conferences. It was created in a very short period of time to test the water to see how well it goes. So a lot of people missed the opportunity to be in Rome this year. But I know that you guys already started working on the next edition and I know that NFT Rome is coming back next year even bigger, even brighter, with more people. Why don't you give your take on the first edition of NFT ROM? Because I keep telling conferences with whom I work, I keep telling people who I trust that NFT ROM is definitely one of top three events for me this year, at the same level as NFT Paris and NFC Lisbon. So you guys did an amazing work and I want to hear from you, the person, one of the people behind the success of this brand. What was good? What was bad? What should we expect for the second edition of NFT ROM next year? 
So, actually, a fun story about uh, how NFT Rome uh, began. I uh, I thought about uh, doing an NFT Rome event for a very long time while I was organizing the countless other events that we did between uh, Rome, Milan, and Naples. And I uh, kept thinking, no, we're not nearly there. Like, we, we cannot do something of that level. In my mind, I had NFT NYC, and I was remembering how massive that was, and I was like, it's a joke. If you do an NFT Rome event, and it's, it's not, like, in any way or form, like, culturally impact, like, Okay, if we cannot push on hype, we cannot push on marketing because that's not our expertise, at least on a cultural level of who is there and what we're discussing and the type of exhibition, uh, it has to be impactful for that. Like, there's no way I can push on marketing and hype and numbers. At least what I can try to throw up is something that is very niche, but at least it's, um, it's highly valuable. And for us, we had the spectrum of what could be highly valuable in uh, what has been happening in Italy. So... I've never heard of an event in Italy where someone was throwing up several galleries and at the same time inviting international speakers to network with. I'll be the first one who would move uh, south of uh, south of Italy, north of Italy, even the islands. If someone tells me, oh, yeah, no, they're bringing Trevor Jones or maybe like they're bringing the Nouns Dao people to speak. I'll be first in line, man. Like I'll travel. I'll literally spend my budget to go there. But these things were not really happening. And sometimes when they were happening, they were like very exclusive. So they're more like private events than public events. So yes, we organized it in two months. Why? <laughs> because we got contacted by a group of people uh, that uh, uh, less, more bold than, than us. They were like, oh, we think we can do an FT Rome. And so props to them for, for thinking it could have been realized. But they, they, they called a series of curators. They, they didn't really give... Uh, uh, access to their time and then they called me and they were like we want to do this event and I was like you know this is crazy you know like if you want to do this it has to be serious because if you do this and it's not serious it's going to be a joke for our country I was like I was very serious about like man the stake of the reputation of our nation in the NFT world is on this line please <laughs> and so they were like no no we're very happy to 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 involve you as creative director we're happy to do work what we have, they said, is this venue. And they showed me a venue. I was like, all right, this venue is interesting. And then I kept thinking, yeah, this venue is interesting, but it's too small. We need, we need more venues. And, uh, and then I was like, do you know any art partners? Are you already thinking of who you're bringing? And they were giving me like Italian names of Itali- some Italian projects. And I, and I was like, okay, like, cool. We can find a space for them, absolutely. And it's, it's important that if we're doing an activation in Italy, we have these people. But who you, who you named me? are mainly like people that you're related to. So it really feels like you're throwing like all the other events and events for like your community, like your people, like, you're shielding yourself. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if that is like the best thing, maybe like at least not to have only that. So I started proposing, let's, let's create other satellite galleries. So let's have other venues open up, invite international galleries. And this was the game changer because this has not been uh, at least seriously done in the past where someone would have called uh, like a super cheap gallery or a king of midtown gallery or a bit forms or whatever you you want to and actually we we had advert of super cheap gallery on our show about two months ago and it was the very first entrance for advert super cheap gallery to the italian ecosystem and it was the very first entrance which is have you lost me no, no, uh, yeah, I lost you for a second. Yeah, I was saying that that was the very first entrance for Edward Zipko from Super Cheap Gallery and Nicole from Vertical Crypto Art, who is originally from Italy. So I do believe what you did, guys, with NFT Rome, you actually brought back 
people who are originally from Italy and you show to the whole of the world that, hey, something interesting happening in Italy. Yeah, so that there's a lot of uh, high-profile people that are Italian in the NFT space. I believe that for everybody who's here, it's pretty clear. Like, you can see us. We are deeply infiltrated in, in this ecosystem. Wherever you go, you cannot help but finding an Italian. God, God help us. But it's nice. It's wonderful. It's, uh, it's, I guess it's also part of our culture to, to, to travel and to, to find uh, new opportunities in other lands. Uh, and, it's, and it's great. But I, I also agree with like what could have been or what could be Mikol's uh, and Vertical Crypto's feeling that sometimes it's very hard to... Uh, do things in Italy. And I agree, like the competition here is crazy. We finished NFT Rome. Can you believe there's other two conferences that are coming up that are branding themselves as NFT Rome? Because unfortunately in Italy, there's no law that prevents people from using the brand NFT Rome because it's for the Italian government, a weak brand, so that cannot be protected. Uh, But it's nice because at the end of the day, how we approached it was that we are happy that this is happening. We have always uh, approached this reality not trying to be... uh, monopolistic uh, sort of community actually we we at the first moment when we launched we, we we kept saying we're not even a community we're an aggregator like we want to work with community and whoever in the different communities has the same feeling that they want to become an aggregator and connect other communities hey become a bridge from your community our aggregator and other communities and whoever became a member of sewer nation at the, at the end of the day has always been in, the, in the, his biggest uh, achievements and aggregator so someone who was connecting communities so we're happy that our event has launched a lot of inspiration into developing new conferences and uh, there where we are invited to collaborate we're also very happy to be invited to collaborate and um, yeah so for the next edition of nft rom we're trying to so what was the game sorry for for the first edition the first edition uh, we were invited to do this curation uh, we started creating a sister galleries and then what happened is that the people who invited us to do nft rom with us told us we are, hey hey we're backing out the the venue that we promised you we cannot close it by the times that we stated so you have uh, you have to do it by yourself and so i was like ah oh, <laughs> Damn, all right. I got Super Chief confirmed, and I got a gallery for Super Chief. I got a gallery for Vertical Crypto, and I confirmed Vertical Crypto. I knew I could invite a couple more speakers. I knew that I could get another venue to talk about technology and community. And so I was like, you know what? It's okay. I don't have the main venue. It doesn't matter. The way that we proposed this event was as a diffused event in multiple locations. Let's rebrand it as a festival. It will work. And it worked. So we, we invited very last minute a lot of international friends. A lot of people from Italy showed up and we had two galleries. We had two spaces for communities and for technology discussions. It was good. It was very good. I was very happy uh, that a lot of uh, people from the community were very happy and, and prompt to respond to, to coming to Italy. And uh, all the people that came, uh, <laughs> all of them confirmed that they would be very happy to return. And I'm, I'm very happy about this because... I kept thinking, what did I find valuable when I went to NFT NYC the first year? And I kept thinking, oh, yeah, it was culturally it was like the, the creeps and weirdo wedding that was thrown by Power Data. It was like a wedding event and was actually a crypto art event. And it was extremely valuable because there I met Colborn for the first time. There I met, uh, I met Robness and I spent a lot of time with Robness. I, I, I met Leonardo Brizzi again there and a series of other Italian people that then I started to like more and more and more. And, and I kept thinking, okay, so data is interesting. But then, like, the next editions of NFT NYC keep going, and I see that data is, uh, is going to be there, but doesn't have events and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, 
that's a, that's a pity. And then the second event that I really found valuable was proof of people by vertical crypto art. The one that they threw in London, then they threw it again in New York. And I kept thinking, yeah, I think the vertical crypto is very valuable. Like, I really like the residency program. I really love how they approached uh, a lot of the topics on an artistic discussion. I was like, we really, we really should have them. We really should see if we can involve them. I think that would be a valuable event. And so I sort of like did the uh, curation on, on what galleries to invite. And at the end of the day, we had this wonderful combination of super cheap and vertical crypto that offer two very different approaches to the space, which was also very interesting. Like you have two different galleries, uh, both very well known for having a lot of like uh, successful activations. Super Chief being the first gallery who ever had like uh, NFTs in their gallery in New York, and then also with the CryptoPunk auction, but then uh, many other things that they achieved. And then Vertical Crypto with their continuous uh, success that they're having with their residency program and their connections and their expansion. So uh, really two different approaches, but two, two, two amazing galleries. We want to keep doing this, long story short. Like we want to keep... Absolutely. Finding- yeah, we want to keep finding uh, different venues or at least uh, a way to give a different space to everybody. One thing that I see in a lot of NFT conferences is that most often it's very difficult to understand on the art side which are the curation exhibition. Like in NFT Paris, this was clear, clear. For anybody who went to NFT Paris, I remember that the art exhibition, I couldn't tell what curator was curating what because all the monitors were set up in the same way in a grid. And so, yes, they were different areas, but the exhibition was always the same in the same spot. So to me, it was very confusing. And so for the first edition of NFT Rome, maybe we exaggerated actually finding different locations for every gallery. It was also very hard sometimes to move from one gallery to the other one um, because of time constraints and traffic mainly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we are scouting different venues. Mainly we're scouting uh, actually partners for the next, edi- next edition of NFT Rome. We recently started having a conversation with a very interesting partner that has uh, a venue that we love because as Sewer Nation, who at the end of the day are the creative directors of the product, which is NFT Rome, we, uh, we, we really love Decadence. We really love abandoned industrial sites. And there's this amazing art project that is being developed that is focused on digital art and culture that is happening every year inside of a <laughs> wonderful uh, industrial area that is being uh, revalued and that is being uh, brought back to, to life. And uh, we, we've contacted this, this project uh, and uh, we participated in uh, this year's event. And we were, we were happy to keep having a conversation with them and understand if there's any way or form in which NFT Rome could become a Web3 partner. So a Web3 extension of their festival, which already racks a lot of very high profile people in Italy. Uh, especially uh, a lot of people that we're interested in, which are students, a lot of students that are doing graphic art or design or participating in this event. And if you if you know how communities are built, that for us is like uh, a very, very, very interesting group to, to start conversating with and trying to involve in our projects. Uh, not only that, uh, a lot of the installations and they do, that they do in this, uh, this industrial space can be very experimental and big because the space is not really set up. It's very bare. And minimal and uh, it's perfect for concerts but it's also very very perfect for projections which if you've been to any of our events you know that we love doing mapping and video projections so uh, hopefully with, uh, starting September at the end of the vacations we can uh, conclude the conversation with these people who have shown a lot of interest in what we're doing and I, I think it's pretty evident that they need a partner like us and we're going to be very happy to produce something very similar to what we did with NFT Rome with a quality lineup of speakers with a quality lineup of projects that can uh, decide to sponsor to have a space for 
activations and to show their projects or to show their technology, which is something that also this festival is trying to do. And um, hopefully this can really help us uh, ease into the production of NFT Rome, because uh, mainly this year we have uh, a lot, a lot of big, big projects for our new city in Italy, which we're going to be facing for the first time, which is Venice. So super excited for NFT Rome. We're most probably going to do it with a very big partner in Rome in order to uh, complete the complementary, the, the, let's say, activation for NFT Rome, which needs a lot of marketing, needs a lot of hype, and needs uh, venues that we don't have to pay. Uh, for the first event, we worked with almost all of the venues in a way where we did not have to pay for the venues, which was very convenient since our low budget. So for us, I think it's much more clever as a move to use the NFT Rome brand or the evolution of this NFT Rome brand that you will see soon uh, in collaboration with a bigger festival for digital culture and arts as a Web3 extension uh, because uh, it really places us in a perfect position to speak with uh, people that are not NFT related but could be associated to this ecosystem to do some contamination and us ourselves and our community to face uh, digital innovation outside of crypto and uh, also try to venture into different ecosystems like AI or generative uh, or other types of video, audio, generative uh, projects. I do believe that you achieved the most important thing. As you said, right after the first edition of NFT Rome, there were two new applications for NFT Rome events. And I know that you guys are not stopping. You just mentioned Venice. I know that you have 10 plus more events coming this year. You will be all around Italy. And I know that you are also all around the world. I know that you are coming to Asia. I know that you're all around Europe all the time. So you achieve the most important. You achieve the fact that Italy, that Rome is one of these emerging Web3 hubs, people know what is happening there and you're bringing more international minds. You're bringing these global visionaries to come to Rome, to come to Milan, to come to Italy in general. And I do believe it's all thanks to NFT Rome and the smaller events that you've been organizing all around it. I know that we are almost out of time, but there is one very specific question that I know you like and that our audience have been waiting for. I want to talk about DAOs. DAOs often are considered either as a very utopian idea or from a completely different side as a dystopian idea. I want to hear what is your take on DAOs in the form that they are right now and what is the potential for DAOs, let's say, in five to ten years from now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, when we, when we talk about DAOs now, the interesting thing is that the people who are doing research on these topics have developed other types of extensions on the concept of decentralized organization. Decentralized autonomous organization DAO was one type of solution for a new work environment, but objectively there's a lot of other solutions that are growing out right now which are also like community-owned organizations, which is another very interesting topic. And um, when it comes to this, yes, it really means that there's a lot of exploration that needs to be done for us. As I said earlier, the, the main goal that we're trying to do is that a lot of times in the work, in, in the workplace, in the work environment, 
um, it's very hard to determine the, the actual value that a member can produce or has produced for its project or its community. Most of times it's just like associated to a monthly pay that you get like a salary. And so you have the salary and within the time that you're supposed to be active during the salary, you, you do what you're told. So you're in, in Italian is uh, dependent, which literally means dependent uh, of the company. So you will only operate uh, if we tell you to do something. So what's interesting about what we tried to do with, with um, Sewer was trying to get uh, uh, independent professionals to collaborate within our ecosystem, but to be, again, as independent as possible. We were not trying to contract these people. We're not trying to get them into exclusive relationships. So what we tried to do is mostly when we found real talent to give creative freedom. Uh, in the benefit of the doubt that all of us are very young people and that are giving ourselves creative freedom in developing uh, all different parts of the project. And, um, and uh, often what would happen is that people from the community would rise, like independent professionals, again, uh, showcasing um, great expertise in different things from white paper writing to uh, event creation, event management, technical solutions, installations, and... Um, and yes, yeah, so what we had to do was trying to understand how to give more control on the projects to people that were more, more competent on, on what we were tackling about. So we started to think on how, actually on what we should measure ourselves. And four topics that came out were who is doing uh, activations on marketing, who is doing activations for the treasury, so enriching the organization economically, and who is doing activations for the community, and who is doing activations technologically-wise to develop uh, smart contracts or to maybe develop technological infrastructure, uh, which, for example, could also be the Discord maintaining or the Discord uh, mod. And, uh, and so out of this, we started to understand that in our organization, in our community, it would have not been proper to have a voting system where everybody votes uh, as one person, one vote. And also, we didn't think it was interesting to have a solution where oh, the more NFTs of our community you buy, the more votes you have, because that's very plutocratic to us, and that's a no-no. We don't, we don't really like to have a full control dictated by who invests the most, even though business-wise, for a lot of people, it can make sense. Uh, for us, we, we were more reliant on understanding uh, ways uh, to make the community sustainable, and to us, sustainable is not only how much money you throw at us, sustainable is all the people who are involved in this, how much commitment are they putting in teams, not only of resources that can be also different from money, but also time and time and effort mainly. And so the biggest obstacle that we're trying to face this year is trying to understand how to create oracles in order to accelerate and automatize the collection of a certification that someone has done a specific activity in one of these uh, different format groups that I already told you about, which are communication, sorry, marketing, uh, treasury, technology, and community. And uh, once this is done, we are using now a system of soulbound tokens, which are, we're trying to upgrade starting fe February, that essentially gives points in these four categories to people, allowing them, when we do voting procedures, to vote not as one individual, one vote, but one individual, and here's my key of my points, and this is, this is, this is what I have been working on, this is how much effort I put in this project, specifically in these macro groups, and so my vote for these macro groups is equal to my effort. Um, which, which is something that at least I felt I, as if it was a promise of uh, Web3 in the fact that, yeah, we can aim to have a less hierarchical and more um, the, uh, meritocratic system. Now, again, here, the problem is that, for example, me as a founder, 
I'm always uh, thinking, yeah, but then what is what is my investment on this? Like, if I am I the owner of this? Or should I be the owner of this? What happens if I start if I stop working? If I stop working and I stop collecting soulbound tokens, this is something I keep thinking all the time. Does, do I lose ownership of this project? Should I want to have ownership of this project? Is the value of this project that maybe me as a founder I don't have ownership of it? And unless I can keep showing a constant commitment or at least a commitment that can scale up in time uh, to have the opportunity to keep being involved and keep being uh, earning and keep being valued for being in this ecosystem rather than just being the one who created it, which, which I believe is something that we very often at least are faced with, you know, people who are in power who are not competent with that power. And also if I'm, if I'm the owner of this company and there are some uh, tasks or there are some challenges that I might not be competent with who has to say that just because I have ownership of the stocks that I should be the one who who who, who makes the final decision of some of these things. So as, I, as, I've t- as I've said earlier, to me very much Sewer Nation and all the things that we're doing are an experiment and where we keep observing different dynamics that we could develop into the organization of our community. And this is something that I really like because at the end of the day, it's as if all of the people who are participating in the project so far are also participating in the writing of the constitution. And the best thing about this is that our constitution is a smart contract, which is something that I really, really like as an idea. And um, also I've been uh, writing different types of uh, um, little research paper, paper studies and other projects that I'm working on, focused on the understanding of uh, uh, really, really what happens when uh, you, you change these old structures of uh, hierarchical work and you try to get into a more interesting ecosystem where the concept of, uh, of ownership and the concept of uh, founder do not have to have that much weight anymore. Man, is there is one thing that I want our audience to understand from today's space is the fact that Steward Nation, together with you and all this amazing team of builders, artists, visionaries, never sleep. You guys are building day and night. You're building something efficient, something sustainable, something easy to use for general audience when this mass adoption and Web3 space happens. And you're building it through different elements, such as in real life events, where you're educating people, platforms and tools to get onboarded in this space. And... A couple of other ways, so I absolutely appreciate what you're doing for this space. I absolutely appreciate you as a friend and you as a person, because you, Luca, are amazing. I just wanted to say thank you, Stuart Nation, thank you, NFT Rome team, thank you, Luca, for what you're doing. I really, really care about it, and I really, really respect it. Thank you, Nikki. Same. Likewise. I love what you're doing, man. It's very great to always be involved and it's very great to involve you every time. Absolutely, my man. I know that there will be a lot of events that Sewer Nation is organizing later this year. A lot of events happening in Italy and outside of Italy. So I would just encourage everyone to follow Luca and follow Sewer Nation to make sure that you are up to date. Once again... Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Luca, for being here today. Thank you, everyone, who joined us. Origins XYZ will be back next Tuesday, as always, 3 p.m. Paris time, when we're going to have another 
be guest another big conference in this space, NFC Lisbon, to give their review on the latest second edition of NFC, where me and Luca were present this year. Guys, thank you very much. I love everyone, and I see you in the metaverse.